Okay, you know, I tried... Uh, my plan was to open this episode with, like, a quote from MCU Loki, because, like, I think that would be a fun sort of thing. Hey, it's the Loki episode. We're do- we're doing this. We're gonna we're gonna make some. We're gonna make a fun little jab at Tom Hiddleston. But I just need to rant for a second because I googled famous Loki MCU quotes, and I think this is a problem with a lot of like of these MCU movies. Like there. There are some great lines. There are some great lines, but then some quotes pages will just be like the most random pieces of things that just the character happened to have said. Um, such as um, on this list, number seven, on my way down to coordinate search and rescue. When do you think that was said? This was I don't said. understand. This was said in Avengers Endgame. When? When they're in the time heist and... Oh. Oh, it's when he's... It's when Loki changes himself into Captain America. So it's like Chris Evans going like, I'm on my way down to coordinate. It's not even a Tom Hiddleston quote. It's literally not even like, yeah, Tom Hiddleston's Loki speaking. For the um. For the record, I love that scene just because of like the meta of that scene where it's like, okay, so this is Chris Evans playing Loki, um, Tom Hiddleston's Loki playing Captain America. Yes, it's beautiful. It works, it, it's it's seamless. It's gorgeous. It's like that one scene in whatever Mission Impossible movie it is where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing Tom Cruise playing Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Tom Cruise. I love. I fucking love that gag in movies where it's like. Because like it's like the guy like someone for some reason is like posing as someone else has been turned into someone else whatever. Because like on our end in the real light real world it's the actor is playing someone else playing their character. And well, that's I love, the entire. I love, I love the idea of it. I just love it. Well, that's all of the movie Face Off, where it's just John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage playing John Travolta. True. And I'm not gonna do little trivia about face off not today i i have to get back to my rant about um these about nonsense pages. Loki quotes yeah one of them is just neil which is like yeah that's like the loki quote that is like the quote but like i can't open a podcast by saying neil I looked up my own um list i just have to i have Loki mcu quotes in hopes i would get better results than you and the one of this list that's really sticking out is you will never be a god. Um which god. Is, that's that's probably the most solid one on this list. Also, you know, the good old classic I am Loki burdened with glorious purpose. I was thinking about doing that one, but then I was like, no, I don't but then I also had this one here, um, uh, we are not doing get help. And I was like, do I ask my guest, Beck Mank, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Um, oh yeah, hi, it's Beck. Do I ask Beck to riff a bit with me where we just do get help, but it wouldn't work? Ah uh, yes, the best the best gag for an audio medium. Get help. It, exactly. But then, then, this, there's, just, there's just one quote here, which is just, come on, what did you expect? That's just from the trailer for the Loki series. No, that one's perfect. That one, that one's perfect because, frankly, I feel like that's gonna that that's gonna carry us through a lot of things that happen in, um, in Agent of Asgard. Yeah, what come, did come you? Ex- what, what did you expect? What did Loki? you expect? We are today discussing. Um, it's another retrospective episode where we are looking over an entire series or run by a specific creator artist team. And we are looking at um, Loki, Agent of Asgard, written by Al Ewing, with pencils by Lee Garbett and Jorge Coelho, um, inks by Nolan Woodard and Lee Laugridge, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, This was released from 2014 to 2015, uh, lasted little over a year, and it's a nice little done-in-one short run um, focusing on everyone's favorite now a hero, I guess, Loki. Um, I think that's where we have to start, right? Like, before, we have to, 
I have a piece in my notes where it's like a brief history of the many times Marvel has tried to redeem Loki in the 2010s. They they really gave it their best shot, didn't they? They um, did. Agent, Agent, I think Agents of Agard, it's okay. Agents of Agard, Asgard doesn't succeed in making Loki a hero, but it does succeed in making Loki redeemable. However, Redeem- they, yeah. like, like, Loki is not just horrible, terrible, write-em-off bad guy in this. He's complex and interesting with fleshed-out motives. And that's mm-hmm. way more interesting than just straight up trying to make Loki, you know, one of the good guys. I think, like, there. this is the conclusion of a nice little arc for Loki, I think. And mm-hmm. because from, like, 1962, when Loki first debuted in the pages of Journey into Mystery, um, until, like, 2008, Loki was straight villain. Like, there were yeah. moments where he would... Pret- get on Thor's side for a while, but then betray him, much like the MCU Loki we've seen multiple times. Yeah, and it was never, it was, and sometimes, like, that was him, um, him, you know, like, lying, and sometimes it was just a, well, the enemy, the enemy is my friend kind of situation. Exactly. But then, like, 2008 rolls around, we're in the middle of what Marvel's calling the Dark Reign event, where Norman Osborn has taken over the Avengers, and... In addition to his own team of Dark Avengers, which are all villains masquerading as heroes, um, you have Norman Osborn's cabal of supervillains, which includes, like, Doctor Doom, Namor, Emma Frost, and Loki, who okay, at this point... It, have you talked about Namor much on it? Like, I don't think... Namor hasn't come up. I don't think Namor has come up a lot. <laughs> Yo, if anyone wants to do a character dive on Namor, um, our Gmail is recommended reading um, at Gmail. Oh, fuck. That's it's, not it's how my it is. personal Gmail, actually, which I don't want to give out right now. Um, but if you want to commission a. Uh, Mythonomica Productions at gmail.com, we will or, um, send or, us money and we will talk about Namor. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about Namor. I have a lot to say about Namor, actually. <laughs> but. We will talk about the M about marvel's response to aquaman well actually this is one of those things <laughs> namor came first actually I'm, I'm pushing up my metaphorical glasses but um actually <laughs> uh, actually namor came first um and but namor also can't talk to fish so it's give so and who's take. really winning who's really Who? winning here namor well namor has the little wings on his feet namor also doesn't own a shirt I mean, neither did Arthur Curry in the 90s. Have oh, you fuck, s- you're right, you're right. Have you seen 90s Aquaman? <laughs> Shout out to the 90s for deciding, you know what? Why don't, instead of make, um, treating female superheroes as people, let's just sexualize male superheroes, too. True Listen, equality. True equality. <laughs> I will say, late 90s, early 2000s Aquaman... Uh, peak character design because that's when he has his hook hand that's when he lost his hand and aquaman with the hook is the best aquaman that part does slap um but as i was saying um loki has joined norman osborne's cabal of supervillains, and at this point he has taken over the body of lady sif and is presenting as a woman so loki uh, decides she's gonna do her own little thing, and um, decides to destroy Asgard in the siege event. Um, do. Which, I haven't read any of this stuff. It, this is like my weird dark spot with Marvel, where like I've read a bunch of stuff before it, and I've read a bunch of stuff after it, but this weird part where like Norman Osborn was the Iron Patriot, I don't know. But I do know that after Loki destroys Asgard, she is eventually killed and reincarnated in the body of a young boy. And this is where we get the kid Loki that everyone knows and everyone loves. What a quick side note. I love that that's just like a thing. Like Loki's reincarnation is not actually that big of a deal. Not really. Like, like Asgardians just be reincarnating all the time. Can I say one other thing about Asgard for a second before we dive deep into full Loki history? 
It's um, your podcast. That's <laughs> it, it is my podcast, but you're also like the co-founder, co-producer. So I'm Bruh, do what <laughs> you want. Um, but I, I have to rant about Asgard for a second. So Asgard gets destroyed and it was like floating in space for a while. R.I.P. Like if you cry every time. You want to know where Thor decides to rebuild Asgard? Where does Thor rebuild Asgard? Over um, a place where the wind bl- wind goes sweeping down the plain above Broxton, Oklahoma. Perfect. Lock it in. Good job, Thor. Not even like uh, that. That's my thing. Not even like near a major city. It's just in a field. And some artists depict it as floating only like a couple hundred feet in the sky. <laughs> to be fair, like, wouldn't you prefer that if like, if they're gonna someone's gonna build a floating city, they not build it directly on top of another city? I mean, yeah, but that's what like, the Inhumans did. The Inhumans yeah. have the, their city on the moon over the sky over the skies mm-hmm. of New York, but well, okay, but th- but like. That's because the Inhumans did it doesn't mean it's a good idea. Yeah, the Inhumans the, suck. The in, like, hot. I'm, I'm not going to roll. It's not even I'm, a hot I'm take. Not, I'm not going to rule on whether or not the Inhumans suck. Hot take: I, most Inhumans suck, but Black Bolt rules. I've literally have. I do not. I genuinely don't have enough knowledge to talk about the Inhumans. Beck, listen. His name is Blackagar Boltagon. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. His name is Blackagar Boltagon, and his power is anytime he opens his mouth, it's like a big sonic scream. So he's mute for most of the time, but he has loud voice. Ah, uh, yes. The most. Uh, I'm uh, okay. Okay. That's you, you know that's what? Why you, that's why you get that bit in Doctor Strange Two where. John Krasinski is like, Black Bolt can kill you with a single word from his mouth. And then Wanda's like, what mouth? And then the camera pans over, and Black Bolt doesn't have a mouth anymore. And then his head just implodes. It's a choice. As I was saying. <laughs> I'm, okay. <laughs> so we, was, have, we have Asgard. New Asgard is floating over Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And Loki is a young kid. Loki is Kid Loki at this point. Yep. And this kid leads... Lo- oh, yep. I was gonna make a quick note. The kid Loki, he's fine. Kid Loki's like, okay. He, like he he's genuinely just existing as a child. I he's he's, he's doing not all better, right. He's not better or worse than your average child. And like you get a nice you you see a nice little bonds where like Thor is gonna protect this kid and never let him turn out like other Loki. And then. Kid Loki goes off into um, Kieran Gillen's journey into mystery. Um, Kieran Gillen, a writer that will be covered on this podcast eventually, because everything he does is really good. He's another like Al Ewing, who we'll get to. Um, British, really good at writing comics. Um, Everyone should go read Die. Um, Do that. Please read Die. Please read Die. We'll cover Die on the podcast eventually. Read Die. Support the die um not Patreon Kickstarter. I think it's it's already well past their funding, but also like once it comes out, buy their game, all that jazz. We'll we'll play we'll play the die RPG. Follow Lucky Twenty for when we play the die RPG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Subscribe to the Lucky Twenty Patreon that we haven't actually set up yet. We haven't launched it yet. We're not gonna. We're, we don't or, know when we're gonna launch it. Follow our social media so you know when we launch launch the Lucky Twenty Patreon, so you know when we play Die. <laughs> this is why. This is why I like doing. I like having Beck on for episodes because we just start bullshitting business meeting agendas in the middle of the episode. <laughs> So Loki goes off Journey into Mystery. I have n- I haven't read it. I'm trying to read it. I'm reading I've been reading a lot of Thor stuff recently to prep for Love and Thunder. Um we're recording this on June 27th, mind you. This won't come out till August. Yeah, so if something happens, oops. Um I'll I'll say it. Um 
you know what? I think Love and Thunder is going to be pretty good. I am a big fan of Taika Waititi's work. Hopefully he keeps it up. And Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman's got biceps. Yes. Um, so at the end of the Journey of the Mystery series, um, of an echo or a ghost of original Loki comes back, kills Kid Loki's soul, and possesses his body. And it's kind of a brutal scene, because Kid Loki um, doesn't, like, doesn't realize what's happening to him until the last moment. Because mm-hmm. he thinks that the like remnant of Loki is a friendly spirit here to guide him through life. Yes. Yep. But nope. And nope. now, so Kid Lo- Kid Loki is dead. Uh, but now we get Teen Loki, who or Teen Young Adult Loki, who is the original Loki in a younger body. Yep. They give us the jump for like how we go from Kid Loki to Teen Loki in a short period of time um, in Young Avengers. Also written by Kieran Gillen. Also will yep. get covered on the podcast. Yep, they cover it all. So it's good. very cool. Um, yeah, older Loki essentially gets someone to age him up so that he can have a more adult form equals better control and stronger powers. So mm-hmm. he doesn't want to stay in a kid body for the normal that's right. amount that's, of time. That's right, kids. Um, once you turn like 21, you get magic powers. Um, Correct. I'm 23. Mine haven't come in yet. But so after Young Avengers, um, that ends in like 2012, 2013. um, This Loki disappears for a little bit. And the Marvel Universe experiences a bit of reshuffling. Because now we have to talk about all new Marvel now. What is all new Marvel now, you ask? Well, all new Marvel now is a sequel. Well, not a, it's not even a thing. It's not even a, like a story. It's a it's a relaunch. It is a sequel relaunch to the relaunch they had in 2012, where basically it was like the movies are doing great. How do we make more people interested in the in the comics? So like the Avengers team is now the forefront Avengers team that's in uh, the MCU at the time. So it's Hulk, Thor, Cap, Iron Man. Um, widow hawkeye um and then this is right after avengers versus x-men so you see a really you start to see a small a a gradual diminishing of the x-men in in the marvel comics universe um bad call um i'll say it and you see a lot more from it they came back from them they came back but they didn't come back until 2019 True. There was like there was a period of like seven years where like no one was really looking at the X-Men or no one was caring about the X-Men. And we don't have time to talk about that right now. We'll save it for X month. Um, but in like six years. <laughs> <laughs> but um then you also get the push of like other characters, like um Previous guest Cena Bowles has said this is the era where everyone's going to space. Um, so you get people like Iron Man, Kitty Pride, and Agent Venom joining the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a weird decision, but okay. Um, but then all new Marvel now sort of spins out of that, and you start to see a push of a new generation of characters taking up mantles, like. Um, this is where Kamala Khan comes in as Ms. Marvel. This is where Sam Wilson takes up the Captain America shield the, for the first time. Um, Robbie Ray as Ghost Rider. All these new, this new generation that I really enjoy. And you also get, and it's specifically done by like a team, by a set, sect of writers and artists that hadn't worked for Marvel rec- in in recent times, including... Al Ewing, who now is one of Marvel's darling golden boys. And this is one of his first series, and I love it. Uh, we should talk about Al Ewing. He's a British man. Uh, he wears a cowboy hat sometimes. Uh, wrote Immortal Hulk, um, which is great. Um, I finished Immortal Hulk. I've, I've read the first two um, issues at this point. It's very good. It's so good. Um, 
uh wears a cowboy hat a lot um i said that already um writing one of the best current x-men series um x-men red where storm sunspot and magneto are forming their own brotherhood on mars and it's so good um magneto spoilers for x-men red issue three magneto slams his helmet onto somebody's head and uses his magnetism powers to crush the guy's head i'm surprised he hasn't done that before to be honest like that's like a pretty like a pretty i have the issue right here i mean by the way okay x-men movies not the like not the best thing ever made However, the scene with where um, Magneto kills a guy by sucking the iron out of his blood. Horrific, but honestly, peak. Also, that peak use of, Ma- of Magneto's powers. That entire scene in X-Men First Class where Fassbender Magneto tracks down the Nazis and like has the knife just like floating in the guy's face. I gotta find someone to talk about Magneto with. <laughs> we love him. Um, but so Al Ewan comes in, he's going to be like, I am giving my own spin on Loki and people in the past have like tried to redeem Loki, but then things had gotten in the way. And like, he was always seen as a character who was not meant to be trusted. I think, I think you'd agree. Yeah. The biggest thing that got in the way of Loki being redeemed is that Loki's a lying bastard and attempts to write Loki as anything other than that are bad. They're, they don't do justice to who Loki is. You can't make Loki an honest character unless there's a lot of guilt behind yeah, him. Yeah. And even in this series, a few times we see Loki be really truly honest are because he feels bad about something. Or, mm-hmm. or I guess also with Verity, who we will get to. We'll get to he Verity. Is he is honest and with Verity, but that's treated as like a wild, like a wild exception that this woman has earned his true trust. So let's jump in general premise of what Loki, Agent of Asgard, is about. Um, basically, this is in the wake of us find everyone finding out that Loki killed Kid Loki and is now in his body. At the get go, Loki. So the Loki who has taken over Kid Loki's body, OG Loki, has request um has struck a deal with the All Mother. So with um Fre- uh, Freya, Gaia, and Idun, who are currently is it Idun or Idun? I think Idun. I don't know. Who, okay, I'm teaching class they're, about cur- <laughs> Rip. Um. So currently this. they're they're ruling Asgard. Um. Odin mm-hmm. is absent. He's yes. not dead. He's just absent. Um. He. Um, he makes deal with them. He's like, "Hey, I will do missions for you." I t- um, because currently Asgardians are not supposed to be living on Earth. He's yep. like, "Here's here's the deal. I will you get you will continue to let me live on Earth. I will do missions for you on Earth, and every time I complete a mission, you will erase from history one of my wrongdoings." Yeah. So it's- so eventually, I can re-enter Asgardian society as a com- like completely innocent of any of my crimes. Yeah. At some point, yeah, and it, later on people start finding out, oh, fuck. Yeah. You murdered a child in their own brain. I think, basic premise, though, he's going on missions, and he feels guilty about the shit he's done in his life. Yeah, he's not happy with himself for how he got here. He is not happy. And what comes out of that is a story of redemption, or Mm -hmm. attempted redemption, um friendship um bond with your family and some bonkers ass heists it's wild because it's very they delve into some very like classic spy like heist shit let's talk about like the the vibe of this first like i think the heist spy stuff is a good part of of this story when it's not dealing with the main villain who we will get to but let's start with the heist spy stuff. Like most of this book is a is a heist story. It's yeah. Loki going on various heists to steal a bunch of shit or break break people out of places or just complete his missions. And 
it's so fun because we see him assemble various crews and you get just him li- he it's a lot of Loki living his life too. It's a very mundane yeah, I was just to say, like, there's a lot of just, like, very domestic shit. You see Loki, like, in it, like, in a hoodie making dinner for, like, he spends a lot of his time just living. He He's he's prepping for a house party at one, or a housewarming party at one point. It's fun. You see him trying to live a normal life, and I love that. I love that. Yeah, because part of why Loki's on Earth is he wants to be. And like no, no, the only other really, the few Asgardians we see also on Earth have like bigger purposes going on. Yeah, like Thor's here because he's an Avenger, but Loki's not. <laughs> Loki's not. And like that first story, like the first main story where like Thor has been possessed by something and all all Loki has to do is just get whatever's out inside Thor out of him. It's, so he stabs Thor with a magic sword. It bleached all the Thor. bad out. Yeah. Uh, what and, is that bad? Let's talk about what that bad is right yeah, now. So like the first thing, the, the story that leads us into this whole collection is Loki retrieving a magic sword through lots of magical heisting, using mm-hmm. the magic sword to stab Thor, which does not kill or hurt Thor, just leeches all the bad stuff out. Loki catches the bad shit in a jar and returns it to the All-Mother, to the All-Mother Council. Yep. That evil, that evil that was possessing Thor, making him act like, like full grade A asshole. Yeah, um, he's a he's a sexist pig. He's a pig. Yeah, at one point, yeah, at one point later in the story, Loki says, "Okay," like something along lines of like, "Okay," and who saved you from being the god of like a misogynist? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or something like something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that evil, like that evil thing that was inside Thor is Loki. The original Loki. Of another... The original Loki, the Loki that we are seeing now, but at a different point in time and place. Far future old King Loki. Yep, they're referred to as King Loki. So, what King Loki says happens, and I'm going to say what King Loki says happens, because who knows if it's actually all the way true. It's it's, it's King Loki. Um, What King Loki says happens is he's doing everything that the Loki that the story follows is doing or he's going on the missions. He's getting his records wiped clean. He like, he's doing, he's doing the work. He's doing Mm -hmm. the work. And he gets, he clears his record. He goes back to Asgard. He gets to live his life. But even now that he gets to live his life, he's still be, he's still the God of lies and is still treated as a liar and a cheat because no matter what he does, he's the God of lies. Mm Mm-hmm. And that eventually gets to him. And so he returns to his old ways, to put it like, you know, to, too long, don't read. Actually, do do, do read. Do read. Do the read. whole point of Please this is that read. you actually really should read this. It's great. Please read. Please read. Please. <laughs> um, he returns to his old ways and becomes the, like, antagonistic response to Thor. He's like, if I'm always going to be the god of lies, if I'm always going to be seen as, like, the bad guys, like, the antithesis of Thor, then fine. I'll just play that shit out. And he does to the extreme. King Loki um become um becomes the destroyer of Earth. Mm-hmm. Like when we see a shot of him on a like throne of bones. Um <laughs> having just dest- destroyed Earth almost purely because it would upset Thor for it for the Earth to be laid to waste. Yep. And of course, now that the Earth is laid to waste, it's kind of fucking boring. Yeah. So, yeah, so Loki seeps back through time in dreams. What a cool-ass way of time travel. Yeah. And yeah, and then that dream seeps into Thor at the time, in time for Loki to stab him with us out with a sword. Which I think is a nice connection to what was going on in Thor at the time. Um... Because this uh, Jason Aaron's Thor run, also something everyone should read. But Thor was having like dreams a lot of both like because it it focuses on three Thors. You have present Thor, you have the young Thor who's like not worthy yet, and then you have King Thor who is all the way in the far future and is the Thor that King Loki basically is going after. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice that like both Thor and Loki were like 
focusing on this stuff of like the past and the future, but in yeah, this- really in really different ways. Yeah, there are a couple points in this collection where they'll tell you like, oh, for more info on this, go read XYZ issue. Um, of a lot of them are of, are of Thor. Yes. Like, hey, and if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, go go here. Go read Jason Aaron's Thor. It's what's the basis for Love and Thunder. Um, it's really good. Um, we'll do an episode on it eventually. I can't make too <laughs> many promises. Um, <laughs> eventually. Um, Listen, there's a lot of comics, and the average human lifespan is only about 80 years. So, <laughs> so I have, so I have 57 more years to do this podcast. It's okay, so a 57 times 12 is a big number. 57 you can, times. You can do 684 more episodes of this, probably, assuming you die with a sound mind. You can do, yeah. Well, Almost. you also have to you have to factor in X month every year. X month will happen every year. So okay, so maybe in no. the eight hundred range, something in the eight hundred range. True. Okay, yeah, but like you're not going to talk about Thor during X month, so it doesn't really count. Yeah, maybe there. Asgardian War, the New Mutant stuff. I'll shut up. <laughs> My brain <laughs> works like this, and I hate it, <laughs> but I love it. Okay, so we've got King Loki, who's the main antagonist. Loki, for a lot of the, like, about half of the book doesn't know that King Loki is there, or the All Mothers are holding him captive. Because that's what the All Mothers do, they're containing him. Yes. Yep. But they are also working with him, in a sense, to ensure that the future that he comes from will exist, and that Loki will always stay the god of lies. Yeah, and they have their reasons for that, and most of them are Asgard always needs a villain. Yeah. Asgard always is at it. Like, Asgard prospers when Loki fails. Mm hmm. And the Loki that we are focusing on throughout the story doesn't want that to be the case. Yeah, he finds out about this reality and he rejects it. He's like, I, he's like he doesn't want it to be. Yep. But he also knows that the actions of the All Mother and the fact that he's now met King Loki make it harder for it to not be we love paradoxes Woo! you did you think when we were talking about loki we talk about time travel audience i, mean, I did on account of reading it the audience <laughs> like this i think in the first story it's called trust me loki says trust me a lot throughout this run and i think that's like the guiding idea of this can yeah. Loki be trusted? And for a lot of it, he does he does good on the things he says he will do. He does do good on most of the things he says he will do, and the few times he doesn't, it ends up to be, you know, being a double cross situation. Yep. Where in the end he does what he promised to do first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for the God of Lies, the perfect supporting character is human lie detector Verity Willis. So we meet Verity when Loki goes to a speed dating session. Yep. Yep. And Verity is posted up there calling everyone their bullshit just because she can. Yeah. Like she like she is there because she's genuinely like, okay, I should try dating. I should try to find happiness and love in my life. Like my mom, it would make my mom happy. Um, and she encounters Loki, and I mean Loki's honest with her. He can't not be. And she is the only one who sees through his disguise. Yep, because because he's a, he is in disguise at this, but she simply sees him as he um, as he naturally presents. And Verity has the ability to see through illusions to see through people's bullshit because when any, she was a baby she when she was a baby she swallowed a magic ring yep any untruth um is seen through by verity regardless of the form it um, it takes she is such an interesting character mm-hmm. and it makes me so mad that this has been her well it doesn't make me mad because i understand that al ewing has wanted to get back to this Loki and this Verity and, and Verity. 
but he hasn't. He hasn't. And because this is the only time we ever see Verity. Yeah, throughout the it's throughout this. And to be fair, she appears consistently throughout this. She is one of the like last people the, standing at the end. She's the second lead of the book, yep. I would say. Yep, and she's probably Loki's only real friend. In all of history. Like, yep. Like Thor is Loki's brother, but Verity is his friend. Yep. And it's it's nice. I think there can be a tendency when we get this, like, you know, this character, like, okay, here's the thing. When they first showed Verity, Verity first showed up, I'm like, oh no, this is a love interest. And I'm like, we, I'm like, great, we, like, we're gonna pair, like, we're gonna take the God of Lies and pair him with, like, the girl, the girl who always knows the truth. This is gonna be contrived. First of all, not a love interest, actively rejects being considered a love interest, has zero romantic or sexual interest in Loki at all. Win number one. Win number one. Win number two is that comes up a couple of times, but they don't make a big gag out of it. No, not sometimes at all. when you finally you finally do that, get that like true companion, they then make a gag about why aren't you guys dating? They don't make that gag here. It comes up maybe two, three times when people have reason to like naturally ask, like, hey, so what's like what's the deal here? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good example of a platonic friendship that and it's you you don't see this in comics a lot yeah there's a yeah you rarely see yeah you rarely see it and you don't see it a lot of media like unfortunately with um you know when you put a, a man and woman together at least what appears to be a man and a woman together and like just let them be friends just let them be friends you no know te- this- no tension no what could have been they're just friends you know what this kind of ha- reminds me of? What? Like an inverse of Ten and Martha? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. You know, honestly, like there is a some Doctor Who influence in here, I would say. There is. It's got some of the level of absurdity of Doctor Who where it's like, we're just going to do this thing and it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like what our explanation it doesn't matter how it works we're just gonna start throwing shit out there and if we totally retcon it all next episode who the fuck cares it's a good story it comes it comes it's it's very much like approaching these characters with doctor who levels of sensibility with continuity yeah where the continuity is not considered important really it, like, it's not totally thrown out the window, but it's, like, it's secondary to telling a good story. Exactly. Continuity is not seen as, like, integral to telling a story. Do you want to take how Loki is characterized throughout this? Do you want to, like... I do, for a couple of reasons. So, uh, ex- there's a couple exactly. of points... Yeah, okay, so there's a couple of points throughout the story where they characterize Loki alternative as an alternative to being the god of lies as being the god of story. That's actually, yes. like... Spoiler for it, obviously, is one of the um, part of the conclusion is Loki outright rejecting being the god of lies and reincarnating again as Loki, god of story. Mm-hmm. Um, because a good like a good lie is a good story. <laughs> yeah, he, Loki comes to see himself not as a liar but a storyteller, someone crafting a narrative for himself and those around him. Something which is something good and human and integral to well-being. Like he crafts, he reinvents himself as something good mm-hmm. without actually changing anything integral about about himself. It, this is also yeah. Sorry, I was gonna, gonna, it's it's how it's how he always says when he's talking about a shape shifting. He can only shift into himself. Yep, Loki's never not himself, and that's thing I want. I was also going to bring up is Loki is characterized. Um, in a like in a very casual way, as a ge- as a gender queer character here, um, Loki regularly throughout the comic, but especially towards the end, um, shifts not for purpose or gain, but out of a desire to. Mm-hmm. Somebody being like, "This is like, this is me, and this is me." Um, lo- and it's treated. Very- I say it's treated very casually because. Loki's shifting is not really addressed in a strong way. It's not treated as 
out of the blue. There's no demanding would Loki explain uh, explain him or herself um, at any given point. So it's like there's Loki, and that's Loki. It's and it's nice. It's, there's a yeah. There's a point where they encounter a society, a strictly female society, and Loki says, "All right, bet," and um, yeah, and shifts into a female form and lives pretty hap- like happily in that society for a couple of days before before she decides, okay, time time to fuck things up because of how I am as a person. Should we? I I I, I don't. I this is a great discussion. It is a society of angels as it's well. A society of angels, and all the angels in the society are female presenting. Um, hold on, I'm trying we'll get- to find a particular quote real quick. That's it actually the... from it's from that arc in this story from the Angel Society. Yeah, oh, it, it, yes. it's exactly yeah, it's exactly the one that you think it is. Yes. Um, it's near the end of it. Okay, so Odin's back. Loki has retrieved Odin because she's like, "Hey, we need your help." Um, and he's and he goes with her. He's like, "Okay," like he he agrees he agrees to help her and help Thor. Mm-hmm. So Thor, Loki, and Odin are in Odin's chariot. Um. And Odin's line is, I'm just reading this out, he says, My children, my son, and my daughter, um... Ah, fuck, I probably should explain this. Quick spoiler, they have a sister. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the sister in a, in a little bit. Yep. It's a point I, needed to ma- I need to make. Yeah, but, but the point is, he says, um, Odin says, My children, my son and my daughter, and my child who is both. My, so strong and so quick, so brave and so cunning. Odin. Who knew? Yep. Who knew? Ally Odin. I I mean, you're still like, you know, a a war criminal and a colonizer, but you're an ally. Ally. (laughs) And little mini dive into Odin here. Let's talk about my favorite Odin bit in this entire comic. Um, King Loki's invading Asgard at one point, and then uh, Freya takes Odin down to the Asgardian weapon vault. And Odin's like, what are these days I need to, uh... And then Freya opens the door, Odin sees something, and he says, I need to remind remind you how much I love you. Yeah, he says, like, he's like, need I not remind you why exactly why I married you? With just, like, awe in his eyes. Because what Freya has gifted him is a machine gun. Odin gets a machine gun. <laughs> Odin gets a machine gun. <laughs> It's not the best part of the story because so other, many other great moments happen. But, but it's, it's pretty so, solid. It's top ten. It's, yeah, it's it's very good. It but yeah, top it's ten. Lo- Odin with the machine gun, Thor in the aha shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, the bit where they're telling a story of Loki in a some day of yore and he's like so Loki pulled out in like a, baz- a bazooka and shot the fish in the face <laughs> it's yep. like what other top 10 moment when Loki's singing Wicked in the shower he sings Wicked in the shower but replaces lyrics to make the song um, The Wizard and I about him yeah <laughs> he sings the line like no like no all father is not proud of you you know and and all uh, all of Asgard has to love you, but why the wizard you're acclaimed? I think more comics should include musical theater references, but that's just me. Yeah. Wouldn't, Fair, it be, wouldn't it be so funny to watch Steve Rogers go watch a production of Assassins? That would be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> okay, but like, I guess, but one last one I want to say, and like, the characterization of Loki in this is it's a very relaxed depiction of queerness. Mm-hmm. Like Loki's identity is present without being central. And yet also entirely central because of how central it is to Loki. Exactly. It, it's, it's something I really like to see because you love, I love to see a story that does feature a queer character without making it a, about their queerness, but also real understanding the reality that when you are queer, it affects everything in your life all the time, forever. Yep. And this is not the only time Al Ewing has done done this. Um, mm-hmm. Charlene McGowan in Immortal Hulk is another primary example of this. Um, trying to 
think if he has anything going on in his X-Men books right now. I don't know. Probably. It's X-Men. Maybe. But X-Men... Al Ewing's only dealing with the cosmic X-Men stuff. Not even, like, down down on Krakoa X-Men stuff. I love seeing Loki's gender just treated with cat with a casualness. It's great. It's It's so fun to see this level of just casual explicit representation yeah like there's no there's no ambiguity with it there's no like they don't let you like write it off like at the end there's a scene where loki simply shifts into a a female presentation just because she can she's like okay i'm feeling this is how i'm feeling right now yeah like they're like it's like hey we're in the middle of the world ending but that doesn't change how exactly. she would like to be in this moment. Exactly. It's great. And then I would also, I also want to, well, well I'll, I'll save this for after that. I first want to talk about the relationship between Thor and Loki here, because I think it's, a, it's such an interesting take on these two as siblings. Mm-hmm. Like, you see in the beginning, Thor still believes that this is kid Loki. That this is not the previous Loki. This is the kid Loki that he made a promise to that he would never let the world, that he would never give up on. Yeah. And then when he finds out that that is untrue, it's an instant dynamic shift. Yep. Could we go from a Thor who, for the first time ever, really genuinely trusts and cares about Loki to a Thor who has returned, like, who sees Loki as as an irredeemable monster. And it's also, like, past a tipping point for Thor, I think, like, even more than previous times. Yeah, because previous times he was always willing to, like, try again with Loki. He's like, "This this is what family does, is we try again and we heal and we love. Not this time. But then, yeah, he starts brutally beating the shit out of Loki in the middle of Asgard. Yeah, and the only reason he stops is not because he thinks, he's like, no, this isn't what I should do. It's because he decides, no, there's something worse I could do. Yeah. Um, which is aus- permanently ostracize Loki from the entirety of Asgardian society. Mm-hmm. And I, this, this does... Give some ju- this is a justifiable thing for Thor to be doing. He Yeah, like um, Loki did once again murder a child in their own mind. Loki murdered a child. But yep. this was also this also, I think, adds to what was again, not to connect back to Jason Aaron's Thor. This is when Thor was deemed unworthy of Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. And it was the around this time when Jane Foster took up the hammer and became Mighty Thor. So, obviously, Thor is at a tipping point in everything in his life. Yeah, it's not a good time to be Thor. But even before that, we get moments of Thor just loving his, his, his loving Loki and even participating in heists. Yeah, like, they're on gr- excellent terms up until this point. It's great. Thor leads a distraction for Loki by causing, like, an interstellar war. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. I I do want to talk about one of the biggest things in this this book is how it connects to a lot of, like, what was going on in the Marvel Universe at the time. Yeah, which which is nice, but also, just, like, to be fair, can make it a little hard to follow at points. Yeah. Like, for example, we talked about the bit with the angels. Like, you get to that chapter, like, oh, this is a different artist, and I don't know how like, we got here, and Verity's suddenly not present in the story. Yeah, and because, because that is only included in the complete collection, and that is a tie-in miniseries to what was going on in the main event at the time. Mm-hmm. I think, like, that's the biggest fault of this, of Ewing's run with this, is, like, the tie-in to Original Sin is kind of wonky at points, but I think the other two tie-ins to big Marvel events really work. But let's 
let's start with the original sin stuff. Um, we're never going to cover original sin on this podcast. Um, it is a murder mystery involving who killed the watcher and stole the watcher's eyes. And it's bad and it's not good. But one of the big revelations was Thor and Loki have a sister. And some peak comic book nonsense, to be honest. And it's Angela. Now, Angela. Who's was being raised not... by angels. Fun yes. Day. And Angela was also not a character created for Marvel. Angela was created in the 90s for Spawn, published by Image Comics, created by Neil Gaiman, who retained the copyright to the character and came over to Marvel and was like, I like you. I, I, I like you a lot. Here, have the copyright for this character I created decades ago. And so there was a push in like 2013, 2014 to like make Angela happen. She was on the Guardians for a while. This happens. By like 2016, she's gone. And like they haven't really brought her back. I honestly makes sense. It's a confusing. It, it, it's confusing. It's, yeah. But I think like the stuff with the angels is interesting. It's like a nice arc. It's a, it's definitely interesting. I just feel like it's a little random. It the happens, story itself is cool. It happens out of nowhere. Um, I personally think you don't need to read Original Sin, the Tenth Realm, or whatever it's called, to understand the story of Loki Asian of Asgard. Yeah, you can, if you have the complete collection, can go straight from yeah, Loki Asian of Asgard 1 through 5 back onto 6. Uh, to six. Yeah, it's it it works around it. And like, mm-hmm. it's just a nice extra story written by Ewing. Yeah. And then the next tie-in um, is Axis. That guy was texting you about what access it was yesterday, but I'll I'll do it again. I'll explain it again. Tell us again. So at this point in Marvel, the Red Skull was in possession of Charles Xavier's brain. God, I love comics. Because <laughs> <laughs> Xavier died at the end of Avengers vs. X-Men. Um, Red, yes, Skull gets, Red Skull gets his brain. Um I can't remember if he eats it or surgically implants it into himself. It's one of those two things. Because Red Skull's a crazy Nazi, and Nazis suck. Um, But then he uses the telepathy of Charles Xavier to launch something called World War Hate. Um, That happens. Um, Then something around called... Something called... um, Wait, no, that's a different story. My brain is jumbled. As I was saying. Whenever Marvel needs a villain that's just pure evil and they don't want to do any nuance, they just want a bad guy, they grab some Nazis. It's either either Nazis or it's Doctor Doom. Yeah, which, like, is fair. However, it makes it a little confusing to keep track of things. (laughs) There are a lot of bad Nazis. Yeah, Doctor Doom shows up in this, for the record. We'll get to why Doctor Doom is here. Um, we should hopefully get to it soon, because I'm supposed to be off this call in a moment. <laughs> oh, shit, really? It's been over an hour. Yeah, oh, okay. Okay, we'll get we'll get it soon. We'll we'll okay. finish up. We'll we'll wrap up here. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, but Axis happens... We could happens. probably talk about Loki for, like, a five to six hour episode if we really wanted to. We could pay us more. Pay us to talk more. I will um, tell you about all my favorite ways that Loki is gay. If shit goes down, Doctor Doom, the Scarlet Witch, and Valeria Richards decide to cast a spell that will, like, invert things. I've never read this comic, I've just read synopses. Basically what happens is all the heroes become villains, and all the villains become heroes. So you get an Avengers team that's like Loki, Enchantress, Sabretooth, Carnage, and a bunch of other people like that. Um, And then... You get a mo- an arc in Agent of Asgard where Loki is a hero and feels happier than he's ever been. But Verity is just like, something is up. 
what is going on here? Verity fully calls bullshit on it, not because it's untrue. Like, because she's agrees that it's true that Loki believes everything he's saying. She just doesn't agree that it's a good thing. Yes. Like, that this be- is... It's not good for Loki. Yeah, that Loki, via magic being inverted, or, um, yeah, personality being, like, forcibly, like, reversed, is not... Does not make him better. Does not make him a better version of himself. It makes him not himself in the first place. And it's such an interesting dilemma that is presented. And I, this is one of my favorite parts of, like, the story. And it ties into a comic that sucks. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting question because it's like, is Loki not Loki if Loki is good? Exactly. And it seems like Al Ewing's answer is no. Definitely that Loki, not Loki. Loki is Loki is defined by his self interest and his lying. Yep. But that all goes away, and then the the finale of Agent of Asgard ties into Secret Wars. Um, where reality is collapsing around the universe, and King Loki decides to make his final strike. And King. yeah, because there's something going on with like the like Asgardian reincarnation cycle, right? Yes, that's all getting fucked because reality is collapsing. Yeah, so Asgard is dying. Normally, this is when the Asgard would be like kind of have like a whole reincarnation cycle happening. Yep. However, Thor did break that. Mm-hmm. So, it, if Asgard falls this time, it is simply gone. It is dead. Asgard and the rest of the universe, because mm-hmm. at this point, <laughs> it is Doctor- Ragnarok in the greatest sense. Yes, Ragnarok in the greatest sense, and Doctor Doom is reshaping reality into his own planet. But yep. that's. A story for another time. And we end in a white void with Loki basically going up to King Loki. Oh, Verity is a ghost now, by the way. We should mention that. Verity does die, but like Verity dies because Loki puts her in a magic bracelet so that she can live forever. And save her her and save her from reality collapsing. Yeah. And so (laughs) I love comics so much. Um, we're in a white void with a bunch of like celestial, like fourth dimensional gods. Yep. Um, Loki has recently Loki recently reincarnated again and became yep. the god of story. And then basically helps offers King Loki forgiveness uh-huh. and shows him that this is not the way he has to be. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And then they Loki and Verity just go off on another adventure. And that is the last we've seen of these versions of the character until 2022, because Defenders Beyond is coming, baby, written by Al Ewing, featuring Agent of Asgard Loki. Alongside America Chavez and the Silver Surfer, I think. So, like, what point... Like, does that come at the end of this? Like... Where do, what point in Loki's timeline does that happen? Is this happening? I don't know. I haven't read it yet. But he's off uh, finding more stories and having more adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like the very last page. So, oops, sorry. So it's him drawing a door out of the void. Yes. He simply ha- draws a door and moves on. He mm-hmm. creates a new story. Because Loki asserts pretty much in the end what boils down to is everything is just the stories we tell ourselves. He tells the go- he tells the higher gods themselves. He's like, are you, like are we the stories that you tell or are you the stories that we tell? Mhm. Loki simply speaks the gods in and out of existence. And it's beautiful. Mhm. Um final thoughts? I love this. It's I love I love I love it quite a bit. Like I said, I just a sucker for the way that Loki's represented in this and I do love the stuff at the end with the god of story and the turning it from Loki's a liar and therefore evil to Loki tells stories and stories shape our reality I think like the character himself it is a messy story but it it works it works 
it's a testament to Ewing's um, ability as a writer that it's not just a mess. Like it's because like there's not just a bunch of loose threads that make nothing. Yes, yeah. it's a very complex story that he doesn't that he doesn't let drop. He doesn't not drop the ball at all. He eventually does get full creative control over the Hulk Hulk side of the universe with Immortal Hulk. But I'm glad he was able to like roll with whatever Marvel editorial was throwing at him. Like you have to write a story involving this. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he had a lot of plates to spin, but he, but boy, howdy, he spun them. Um, we didn't mention it at all. The artwork is fabulous all around. It's very bright. Like there's like, a it's lot very, of color. A lot of color. It's um, I don't want to say cartoony, but like. I try to put it. Um, it's realistic, but not overly so. It's very bright. It's more about a vibe than an appearance. Um, it's my favorite character design for Loki. Um, mm-hmm. the coat. Um, yeah, the he's armor. A big, he's big for coat. He's got. He's kind of shaggy at any given point. Yeah. It's really good. And now we'd usually transition into um it's casting. Almost, oh, you know ca- what it, sorry, you know what oh. it is? I just realized with the art style, I'm like, I'm like, there's some style here. Like that makes sense. It's not it, it's not a manga style, but it's like adjacent to it. Manga influenced. You can definitely like I think you can like feel some like manga and like Japanese influence with this art style. I there's a lot of comics that do that too. And I think like it's manga adjacent is a nice style. Mm-hmm. It's clean. It's Suits clean. The story. It's clean, but it can get chaotic when it wants to. And now uh, we'd usually tra- transition into cast the comic, but we've had many of these characters cast already. And I, as much as I want to pitch a casting for Verity, I didn't have the chance to think of any. I have a thought if they were to ever bring back Loki in a sense like this. Mm-hmm. You cast a new actor for Loki, someone younger. Um, That's, okay, because Tom Hilson actually does play quite a good Loki. I do like him as Loki. Yeah. But one of the key points of this book is that Loki is young and youthful. Like, that's, yes. that's, pretty, that's pretty central to the story. Yes. And I love Tom Hilson, but he's like, what? He's 45? Something. 50? It's, it's not it wouldn't be right to have him play a teenager how old is tom hiddleston 40 oh okay my point stands he's, he's not, not he, a teenager he's not gonna play a yeah, teenager or a, or a young 20 something you cast a new younger act, actor um but you bring back hiddleston and make him king loki Hiddleston could kill as King Loki. Hiddleston could kill as King Loki. Like, I like Loki and like Ragnarok. I think like that is my favorite version of Loki. But Avengers 2012 Loki is fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if an yeah, even really... more vicious version of that. He could do it. He really could. He could do it. Yeah. My other pitch is for his brief appearances in this, you keep Hemsworth as Thor. (laughs) Thor in this is so himbo, and I think it's what Hiddleston, or Hemsworth, loves doing. Thank you, Beck, for coming back on again. Uh, This is what? Number... It's only the third. It's only the third. Nightcrawler Saga, Homestuck. Oh, I guess... Homestuck 2. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Um, everyone go listen to Lucky 20. Um, we're both involved in it. Everyone should go also listen to Soundbite. Um, if you're not consuming our content all the time, what are you doing? Consuming other content because there's so much content and this is literally content based around consuming other content. Yeah. I'll see, my, <laughs> I'll see myself out because goodbye, everyone. I am going to go. I'm drawing a door to the next story or the next episode. Beck, will you come with me? Will you come through this imaginary door with me? Sure thing, buddy. (laughs) Sorry, I was was looking up to see, like, does this book end with a good quote to end end our podcast on? The answer is no. No. (laughs) Bye.
Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman's theme music was written by Charlotte Rosenthal. Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman is produced by Mythonomica Productions. Thank you for listening.